Welcome to the Red Pill Training Podcast, brought to you by James Jowsey Training, 3D Physiotherapy, and the Mansfield Sports Institute. Gemma, James, and Phil, delivering topical podcasts on fitness, nutrition, health, lifestyle, training, and sports. How is everyone? All good? Writer's rain. Where did writer's rain come from? Probably Manchester, based off the amount. There's a lot. There is a fair amount of rain here. Um, We are delving into the link between the mind and the stomach, or the gut, as it's it's called um, the second brain the, the yeah well well is is a nickname apparently yeah the second brain it's the links are perhaps underpublished in terms of in terms of sort of popular media very becoming more and more popular in the scientific community and lots of books being written currently becoming quite a topical but it's, it's sort of not out there it's not known it's not been picked up by the by the big by the by the big press agencies and stuff so i think it's um perhaps for our listeners or the reason we're talking about it for our listeners is there's a lot of people missing the trick there's a lot of people that could benefit quite a lot from potentially understanding the links between their brain and their stomach and how they're feeling and how their stomach is and their diet and and the effects and not just not just eating well feeling good like actual physical clinical uh, studies that link the gut bacteria and gut health to psychological disorders and autism and all sorts of other things. Um, I know you've been doing loads of reading on it, Gemma. And you're itching, itching to get onto the mic. So, uh, well, there's been there's a traditional view that um, gut sort of microorganisms had a big impact in autism. Um, but more so now that they're looking at the links between other um, brain disorders, things like Parkinson's, um, Alzheimer's, depression, stress, etc. Um, so with the discovery of, or the, yeah, the discovery, I guess is the right word, of these microorganisms within the gut and how they can affect what is translated to the brain and the different sort of um, connection between the brain and the brain to the gut they they've made numerous links between between that so let me just stop you let me help the listeners so i'm sitting at home listening now and i think my question is first i'm going to ask you is what's a microorganism the next question i'm going to ask you after that is going to be how does that link with the brain so a microorganism is just a, a a bacteria or a type of bacteria that lives within the gut and they've got got lots of different types of bacteria that are all through our bodies. We've got hundreds of billions billions of thousands, yeah, loads uh, within our body. And one um, paper quoted us as just vessels for microorganisms to live amongst, which I think is disgusting. But But true. It is, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Um, So microorganisms live within our gut. And what they can do is produce and actually mimic different types of chemicals and that those chemicals can be absorbed into our bloodstream and then they are taken up into the brain and they can change and have an effect on different systems within the brain. So the, um, so the sort of endocrine systems that we've got and the hormone 
changes, etc., which then yeah. has another link back yeah. into our gut system. Yeah, I think that uh, just just to jump in on that and say that I think is how it's interpreted within the brain. So so it's the the micro the bacteria is yeah. then is uh, wears fancy dress <laughs> if you like Absolutely. wears costumes and goes around impersonating different things around the body and then the body's interpretation of them is that there is an abundance or a lack of certain hormones and certain things and that then plays tricks within the mind or can play tricks within the mind um, and not conscious tricks <laughs> so it's not something that you you know consciously it's something that that can be quite destructive. It can also be on the other side quite positive, but it tends to be quite quite destructive. And you've got some examples of that, haven't you? It, I have, yeah. I mean, when when I was talking a second ago, some of the microorganisms actually have an ability to synthesize neurotransmitters, so they can actually create a neurotransmitter. So. Um, as I said, the chemicals, and they can modulate and change our immune systems, so they can alter our immune systems, which clearly has an enormous effect on the rest of the body. Um, Again, another paper looked at how, or speculated, that if you have um, poor bacteria, so different types of bad bacteria, so you have different goods and bad bacteria, the bad bacteria can almost... Right, where they can almost hack the system and get yeah. you to start eating. That's what I mean by impersonating. Yeah, so yeah, right. hack the system and, and get you to start eating the, the wrong types of food, for example, so that that can survive, the bad bacteria can survive and actually override your system, which obviously can have negative effects. Potentially, though, the finding of, of the century. Yeah. So thanks, Mayor, 2014, for that. You're a good guy. Yeah. Um, so, Jazz, I'm going to jump over to you here and, and just bring you in on a couple of points, uh, if you don't mind, firstly, personal. Yeah, um, sure. A guy who... Has awesome guts. Suffers, suffers with Crohn's. Um, uh, also with colitis. Colitis, sorry. Yeah, um, sure. Suffers with colitis. Um, read my own paper recently. It's not just Gemma out there geeking out. Um, on public speaking and intestinal health and how the stresses of public speaking can affect intestinal health. How does psychological stress affect your stomach and your, um, less graphically than you're thinking, sir? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it all affects you a lot. It does affect a lot. It's actually the older I'm getting, the worse it's become from a psychological aspect. Um, I used to think it was, it's actually the more I've read, the worse it's become. Um, which proves the point. Which proves the point. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But when I was just youngster growing up, I just thought, oh, I just want to live with, and, and that's what it is. I took the medications. Um, the medications and just cracked on and then I got to like 25 years old and my medications were going I was the fittest fittest I've ever been looked looked happy when I looked at myself in the mirror from a from a joust the house point of view you know how it is um, <laughs> um, 
yeah, I was happy from that point of view, but the medication was going up and up and up. Like, I don't know, I just wasn't mad. So I was like, I'm 25 years old. What does, what does 60 look like? And that old bloke going into the pharmacist, coming out with a trolley full of medications. And I didn't want that. So that's where I then started looking into the gut. How, what can I do about it nutritionally, exercise-wise, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. At that time, I just thought it was, for a long period of my life, I just thought it was nutrition. Um, and then I got married, and I realised that a lot of it was psychological stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we'll move on after the, after no, no. the bus has just exploded. Yeah, no, in fairness to my wife, I'll stick up for my wife. It was, it was actually the illest, the worst my clients had ever been was... I actually went vegan gluten free and it is the diet I do not want to do. Like I'm not like a tree hugger that's like you must only eat <laughs> like you should not eat animals, like I love to eat meat, so yeah. like but being vegan works for me. Like it was uh, instantly turned my guts around, but then about six months out from the wedding my guts just got worse and I thought well that's weird because I just thought it was nutrition um, and I, my medications went up again and they were the highest they'd ever been and the, the symptoms weren't settling down at all and got married day after the wedding first time I'd gone to the toilet properly for about six months yeah just literally night and day just bomb everything just settled down I was like ah so the wedding was Quite stressful then. Um, so that was my, that's when I learned it was a psychological thing, I might say. Um, it has a big influence on that. I mean, we're back to you, Jim. We're, we're talking about not an insignificant amount of people or pathology or disease here when we talk about depression, IBS, and you know, they're just the not, not just that's the perhaps the wrong way to say it, but they're the the thing that affecting everybody um if alzheimer's and parkinson's that's huge i mean that's enormous side of things but the everyday elements of young people we're talking about sort of if we can influence ibs or depression here yeah it's an incredible uh it could be an incredible um finding um what how does the research stack up i mean is this is this theory um because it's logically it makes sense um, do we have both correlative and causative um, research to back this up? Most studies have been in animals, so most studies have been in rodents. Um, there's preclinical studies, so there haven't been. It's difficult for um, it's been difficult for studies to look at the human gut, but they can look at fecal matter. So they that's how they sort of go around things. So they've looked at different fecal matter after um, periods of, of stress or induced stress, for example, or with looking at uh, changing or manipulating the gut bacteria, so with probiotics, with prebiotics, etc. Um, so a lot of it is preclinical, so they don't have, there is more and more evidence gathering, but there's still more work to be done. And anecdotally, yeah. anecdotally the, the evidence is, is stacking up. Is, is, is almost overwhelming, isn't it? And just just in, in our pool here of 
we, we're coaching or treating people, the amount of people we're prescribing nutrition for and, and supplementing for, and when I mean supplementing, I'm not talking about whey protein. Um, you know, I'm talking about proper, educated, well-guided supplements, quality supplements. We're seeing a huge difference with our athletes and, and clients, aren't we? Yeah, for sure. Um, that ability to convert and transport energy ultimately starts within the gut. Like if it's not, I, I'm, that's experience myself. Like I can, when I was training for the marathon, like I put a, it was actually there's a post on my Instagram account and it showed my lap times, like my run time, like one week apart, the difference in the average heart rate, and like I just felt. Like, and in that week, the only thing that was better was my gut health. Yeah. Like, it was literally just running felt easy. Um, and I've had a lot better year running here. My gut's in a better state than it's been. Yeah. I mean, a long it, time. again, Jim, about you, I mean, are we talking day to day here or are we talking a more chronic period of time? In terms of how the bacteria changes? Yeah. Or... I, mean, I mean, like, when I wake up and I'm having a bad day, you know, like, I mean, I suffer from psoriasis, jousy stuff. We have autoimmune. I know if I, I know my body tells me um, how stressed I am. Like I have a gauge, I have a visual marker that everybody can see if I'm going in, in a good period or a good day or a bad day. That that my body my body communicates that. Um, so so for me for me it's almost instant. Um, and and. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the same with athletes in terms of how they're training and how their their daily routine is a bad training session. You know, when is it just not a bad training session? You know, when is it what they've eaten? Do we have to look? Do we have to be that detailed with our athletes and look at what they've eaten yesterday on their performance today, or, or do we feel like as a team this is a more chronicle, uh, sort of three months of influence change? I'm not convinced on what the answers in terms of, or not convinced on what the answers in terms of research. Um, I mean, arguably, you would you could do a diary or you could do a food diary for the athletes, um, and and see if there's a correlation between the two in terms of your own anecdotal evidence. Um, I certainly, when you we talked a little bit briefly about um, manipulating some of the data or manipulating some of the bacteria, for example. Um, use of probiotic and prebiotics when they've used them and changed and manipulated the gut it's had a reasonable short-term effect but in terms of long-term I mean I've noticed it quite quite predominantly with aggression anger and frustration with athletes in training and their, their, their nature towards their training sessions with with the Fluid cycles they're on. Um, I've significantly noticed it, um, and that the we, as you know, co our our styles of coaching are very hands-on, very talking, uh, looking at the guys and, and being in close contact with the guys, and and we can see, we can, we can clearly see emotional and anger and aggression and, and and such things being very very different on a really short term, and we're talking about guys who already eat well. You know, like guys already eat well, just the tweaks in their in their food. If we're now looking at the state of society in terms of a two litre bottle of Coca Cola every day with a pizza, um, you know, no breakfasts in the morning, or you know that sort of thing, you can quickly see how. I mean, if we're seeing this in elite trained athletes at that level, it, 
the, the, the influence of this on everyday John and Joan? There's, there is some, actually thinking about in, in terms of, again, rodent or um, animal studies, they did look at how, um, they looked at how it changes through generations as well. So how certain types of bacteria or certain types of um, the microorganisms absorb and, and, and create and change through different generations. And so they tried to sort of extrapolate that out to the Western world and how we eat and our, our foods and how that has changed. Um, and so if you apply that to our culture, I think that's quite interesting in terms of our diet and how much has changed in terms of the sugar that we eat, the carbohydrate diets, the, the processed food that we eat, the yeah. amount of meat that we eat, that, that potentially, yeah, yeah, that is potentially, I mean, a lot of meat we know is, sort of going back to what you were saying earlier, Jesse, about the, the veganism and not eating so much meat, a lot of the meat we eat is treated with antibiotics, which will have and can manipulate our biotics within mm. our gut, so... You can see where there's that link, certainly. I mean, on that, I mean, my, like, my colitis started when I was 15 years old. I was, it started whilst I was on trial at Manchester United. But before I'd gone to Manchester United, I'd had um, tonsillitis that took two courses of antibiotics. I've never really been on antibiotics at all, so I combined antibiotics with the most stressful period of my, my life, like the boyhood team that I'd supported, the little lad from Scarborough going there, those two things combined, that mind that mind being on overdrive and a gut that's been depleted of its of its bacteria and bang colitis starts. They're still medically they've not really ever kind of well when I was told there was there was never any acceptance of that there was theories that was done from kind of the holistic world that that could be the case and it was all kind of poo-pooed by the medical world a little bit that antibiotics would would be a cause um obviously now society they're wanting people to not take antibiotics but that's more from a, a fact of a longevity, old, perspective. longevity perspective yeah. and and health and well like um because of antibiotic resistant bacteria now um but yeah i mean that was the big catalyst for me back then but we all the, all the stuff that i've read over the years like the the gut bacteria is it begins in in the fetal it begins in the fetus like what we're introduced to like the the food that's coming through through our parents like what we're getting done there is starting to build our first big introduction to bacteria is actually as the fetus passes through um, the vaginal canal. Yeah. Like that's where you actually get it. So if you're having a cesarean, you're not actually getting exposed to that first input of, of bacteria at that point. So you're already starting with less bacteria in your gut than you should do. Combine that with then breastfeeding, breastfeeding, colostrum, that's an immune system builder that's in the first few uh, few days of, of breast breastfeeding. And I think um, it's recommended up to 12 months of breastfeeding for the yeah. immune system to be fully developed with 
the bacterial growth from that, which um, like my wife, she did awesome with breastfeeding, but she only got to six months because little ones grow teeth and it hurts. Like I wasn't gonna kind of, yeah, tough, yeah, tough things yeah. to decision. So like, I'm not saying it's a right or it's a right or wrong. Um, so you've got those those factors that are already starting. So kids are then starting with a gut that isn't optimally colonized by good bacteria. This bad bacteria is potentially already growing because these um, sugars and things like that that actually feed bad bacteria are present in the artificial milks or, or whatever an old kind of kid's food has got some kind of bad stuff in it somewhere although there obviously are good brands out there now that are keeping things cleaner but already you would develop the kids are i say they're not is that like like Gemma said those bacterias create a drive for certain food rather than yeah, they yeah, somehow they, they have access for it. Yeah. For it. yeah so then we we can't help it so the negative cycle begins. Yeah. And how do you stop that negative cycle? Exactly. How do you stop the negative cycle? Diet. Agreed. Agreed. I think, interestingly, I think the listeners are probably going, what about probiotics? Um, so just quickly talk about probiotics. Um, taking the drinks is a good thing. They have to be multibacterial. Have to have lots of bacteria in this. Good evidence that taking one bacteria or a smaller amount of the bacteria can be just as harmful because we're creating imbalances. So, even you can't at the moment, we don't have accessible ways to measure bacteria in the stomach and what you're missing and what the balances are. Um, that's not that's not it's very difficult to nail down a group of bacteria that you need to take so taking one or two could just be tipping the balance in a completely wrong way and actually there are some some correlative uh, research that says taking the wrong uh, bacteria has just as bad effect as taking good bacteria it might be classified as a good bacteria but in a bad code if you see what I mean that going together into the stomach creating a an imbalance towards one way can be just as just as um, harmful or just as negative and create just as many negative thought patterns and begin with progressions and, and, and other things. So if you are taking probiotics, it needs to be thousands and thousands of bacteria in one rather than the smaller versions where you're taking one or two. That's quite important to, to, to the listeners. So if we're starting with some kind of supplementation, what, what, what sort of supplementation are we talking about? I mean, what we're going to be, uh, what we're going to be uh, feeding the guys. Um, I've got a sort of, uh, I just did one here. I've got a sort of a, a, a magic four or five, which I make sure all my guys are taking every single day. Um, what are you doing, Joust? Um, the ones that have worked for me over the periods where I've been most consistent, uh, been glutamine, yeah, um, L-glutamine, sorry, yeah. um, fish oil. Um, IEPA fish oil, um, vitamin D for the immune system, yeah, um, and zinc for the immune system as well. Yeah. They've been the they they they've been like the main staples for yeah. for the, the periods where I've been best. On that, I would just add, I've got similar ones. I, I 
we have coenzyme Q10, which I think is quite, quite important. Um, coenzyme Q10, we are, vitamin D is also very important. Uh, chromium is one, also. Uh, what does chromium do? How does it help that? It's, it's got a lot to do with stabilising the blood sugar and the transportation of, uh, of hemoglobin and stuff like that. Okay, so it's an intertransferase. Yeah, it's a lot to do with intertransferase and blood stabilisation or blood sugar stabilisation and management of, of blood sugar. Um, so, yeah, we've got the vitamin D, Q10, chromium, zinc. Um, and, and I think the a, a good B complex is always quite a nice thing just to keep the... Just keep the vitamin B up, just energy-wise. It's a, a nice with food. It's quite a nice a way of, of transporting and, and making sure we're, we're keeping our energy stores up. So that's supplementation. What about from a nutritional standpoint? What 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 are we advising the guys to be eating? Um, it's, I know it's very difficult. Natural food. Yeah, it's it is. Isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah, don't I don't advocate. Like some people can tolerate meat. Personally, I don't tolerate huge amount of meat very well but good sources good sources of natural food is the is the best is the best way to go to live not necessarily i mean well not necessarily talking about this link but there's certainly growing evidence that red lots of red meat isn't necessarily good for the bowel either um so i would say limiting lots of processed red meat Processed, well, processed meat, yeah, but well, any processed food generally. But I mean, even the World Health Organization talk about beef and pork being a carcinogen, so I probably don't recommend eating less of that. <laughs> so it's good though. Well, if you say so. One loss of burger. Wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. No. You don't eat burgers. No. Since when? You don't eat beef burgers? No, I don't eat beef. Do you not? No. Oh. That's interesting. <laughs> you do, don't you, mate? Eat food. Doesn't always agree with me, but that's a choice, isn't it? It's an informed decision. So, question being then, yeah. is it an informed decision? Or is it because you eat beef that you eat beef? I know as to whether it affects my health or not. As well, as in you eat beef, it affects everything we've just spent the last 35 minutes talking about. Yeah. And so you eat beef. Yeah. Yeah. It tastes good. <laughs> good, guys. So the um, take-home points for the guys listening are? There is a link between what you feel and what your gut is doing and what your gut is doing and how you feel. Yeah. How cool is that? It's ways. awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Swings both ways. All the best ones do. That's right. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, on that note, Sarah.
Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to come and join us on our Red Pill Movement Assessors course, we'll be teaching you the biomechanical assessment procedure designed by James Jowsey and Phil Mansfield. There are two dates left this year, the 23rd and 24th of June in Whatever It Takes London, which is selling fast, so uh, book up. Or the 27th and the 28th of October in Reebok CrossFit Nuremberg. Look forward to seeing you there.